think it's about that time. You're going to make your way to your seats. We'll get our class started for the morning. Hope everybody got uh, enjoyed that extra hour of sleep that we got last night. All right, if you have your Bibles, you turn to John. We left off in chapter 8, didn't get to finish that last class. And we actually left off in verse, let's see here, 36 is what we left off on. Well, there's a little bit that happened in that section uh, that we read. And we'll go and finish, though, uh, all the way to verse uh, 59, which will finish that chapter off for us. Um, but what we did read, we saw that Jesus was uh, foretelling of his ascension. And, uh, of course, the Jews did not understand that. We also saw that he continued to teach in the temple even after a uh, arrest order was made for his arrest. And uh, he continued to do it without that being fulfilled, without being uh, taken care of. So we'll continue in verse 37, and again finish off the chapter, and then we'll, we'll touch base about some of the stuff in here. <clears throat> so it reads, I know that you are Abram's descendants, but you seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, And you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Our father, uh, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornications. We have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your Father, the devil. And the desires of your Father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, You do not hear because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, 
And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And, I, and if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus had hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passing by. So going back, uh, <clears throat> we see Jesus telling the Jews that they were going to be continuing to look for the Messiah, uh, but their search would be in vain, because he's the Messiah. Uh, he, is, he tells them that he's the only way to have that burdening weight of sin cast off. Uh, and he calls to those in the section uh, who believe in him to abide or to continue in his word, and they will be set free. Uh, the freedom that he gives is not one to do whatever one wants, uh, but a freedom from that, again, that burden of sin. That's that freedom that he's talking about and the eternal consequences of it. We see those uh, that did believe him. Um, it was either them or, the, the again, the Jews in the crowd that quickly turned against him, even if they were some of them. They quickly turned against him when he talks about them being slaves. Uh, you see that it wasn't that deep, uh, convicted belief, but a shallow one that we had seen at various times throughout the book of John. Their pride continued to be a stumbling block for them. And they took offense at the insinuation that they were slaves to anything or anyone, forgetting their, forgetting their history. Again, their, their, their pride was blinding them from their history. They were enslaved in Egypt, right? Then by the Babylonians and then by the Persians. And finally, at that time, they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. Uh, so, uh, again we continuously see that blinding effect of pride and what it does to, to, to people. Jesus uh, says that he was speaking nothing of the truth, um, nothing but the truth, but yet they still wouldn't listen to him because of it. He asked them directly, which one of you convicts me of sin? And they had, during that entire time, they continually accused him, but none of it had foundation, none of it had truth behind it that they had evidence for then why didn't they believe him? Well, we kind of already covered that, but um, Jesus asking those questions was a perfect time for them to reflect why did they not believe in him and to get, you know, search the scriptures about that, just like uh, we see uh, throughout the Bible, people searching the scriptures like the Bereans to see if the things were true. Um, they could have searched and saw that it, he was speaking the truth. But again, they continue to be blinded by pride, which is not a godly characteristic. 
before uh, before if there was any question about Jesus's uh, claim to deity, claim to godliness, um, any question about him saying that he was God by saying I am, uh, up to this point, uh, you, you might be able to argument have an argument against that, but up to this point, this point right here that we just read, there's no question about it. There's no um, possibility that he, that's what he's not claiming. He is claiming that he is God when he says, I am there. <clears throat> uh, he used the term here that God used showing that eternal existence and his superiority. Again, he claims that superiority over Abraham. And that leads us to chapter 9. And we again see, uh, actually at the end of chapter 8, um, when he makes that statement, again, that's blasphemous if you claim that and it's not truth. And so they go, they go and grab rocks to stone him, but we again see him essentially uh, go through the midst of him passing by, which appears to be miraculous because usually if you have an intent to stone somebody, there's not going to be much to dissuade you from doing that. Um, but he's able to do that. And that leads us to chapter 9. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 7. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me, while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with this clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. So, again, this opens up. He's essentially just left uh, being stoned. And at this point, um, you know, he sees a blind man, which he must have been a well-known blind man from uh, what we see here. Or something happened that that wasn't recorded, uh, where the disciples had obtained that knowledge that he was blind from uh, birth. Uh, the disciples asked him a question about it, and um, we had talked about uh, in a previous class about sin and some of the Jews' uh, view upon that. And if you missed that, I would encourage you to go back. It was the sixth lesson when we uh, when we went through chapter five of John. Um, and so I don't want to go back into that so, so that way we can continue on but um, Jesus said that there was a purpose for this man being born blind uh, while it was going to be another one of those miraculous uh, undeniable miraculous um, works that Jesus is going to show his power right now of course it's an undeniable to those who are not blinded by um, pride or jealousy or corruptness, which, of course, we will see here, or all of the above, right? 
So there's always um, there's always going to be issues, uh, disabilities that we see um, through very throughout life, right? Uh, this guy wasn't saying that Jesus wasn't saying that this man was born specifically blind just for this moment. Um, he was saying that he was using that moment to show his glory, his power. Because uh, we continue to see people who are born blind and various issues and disabilities. Um, but at the same time, those situations, just like this one, can be used for the glory of God, right? Uh, if you see the possibilities and, and have the ability to use them. Our worst days going throughout our lives, uh, they can be, you know, after we process them, after we go through them and learn to cope with them, uh, we can use those experiences to be such a help to others uh, that are going through them, that find themselves in those same situations. <clears throat> now, that's not exactly what this verse is referring to, but I think it's still something important for us to, to remember uh, as we strive to help each other right through through this life and through the pitfalls of it and to our goal. I know that uh, throughout my life I've missed opportunities uh, like that, and I hope that others, when they come across them, they won't pass that, that chance up to help people through difficult situations. Uh, we do see that um, the concept that as long as it is day or our time on this earth, uh, to do God's will, to look for those opportunities. Kind of what Jesus is referencing. It's, gif- it's difficult here when he's talking about that that day and night. Uh, if it, he's referring to miraculous works, you know, once he's gone in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit's gone, that miraculous works will be done away with. In verse 4, um, it, it's difficult to see what exact to determine if that's what he's referring to or if that's uh, just something else. But we do know that uh, we are to work, right, until our time is up and we have reached the finish line. Our job's not over until death, until we have gained that reward. Now, while Jesus is able to make the blind man see, um, Jesus, uh, he's the light of the world, right? So we, he uses that that uh, that concept to, to teach them a little bit. And he tells them that he's the light of the world that makes those who walk in spiritual light give them the ability to see. If we take that into a spiritual concept instead of the physical one. And he's going to go into that in further detail soon in the next reading. Um, we'll see here another miracle uh, where the person didn't ask for that miracle to occur to them. They weren't begging. They weren't seeking Jesus. Jesus saw him and determined that was uh, a good time. And we see that it is a perfect time for that to occur. Uh, again, he had a lifelong disability, so undeniable. Um, just like the, uh, the other one. Uh, this one was a little bit different. Um, because he did something, he did an action, and then he asked the the person to perform a follow up action for the for the miracle to occur. Right? It didn't talk about the man's belief either, 
But obviously he did because he went and he washed himself like he was instructed to. Uh, we see, as we do um, with uh, Naaman in Second Kings chapter five ten, that in the same same kind of manner that his obedience it wasn't a way of earning the ability to see right, but it would have been a gift offered to him that he would not have received if he did not obey. Because if he didn't go wash, would he have been healed? Most likely not. It doesn't. Uh, that's not um, indicate that that would have been the case. And that leads us to verse 8 through 17. I'm going to read that. Therefore, the neighbors of those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. And others said, uh, He's like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought him, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, You put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is is uh, not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can this man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Jesus again healed on the Sabbath. Again, I think making a point. Um, he is continuing to expose even further the, the, the flawed legalistic thinking uh, of the Jews' oppressive traditions, of the leaders' oppressive uh, traditions that they made law. Jesus had gone further, though, than he did last time, though. He, uh, he knelt down, he needed that saliva with the, with the dirt to make clay. And then he anointed or applied it to his eyes um, for what appeared to those around him would be for medicinal purposes, right? Both of those acts uh, were forbidden by the Jews' tradition of the Sabbath, unless someone's life was in danger. So the fact that he was needing something and the fact that he was applying anointment or applying medicine, uh, medicine according to their observations and so there was division among them, all right? That's a two sides here, arguing two points. Um, again, it's a shame they did not stop and look at the purpose of the Sabbath, like Jesus was trying to get them to do. They were too stuck on the line of thinking that, well, one side was too stuck on the line of thinking that he could not be from God because he broke the Sabbath, which obviously we see that he didn't. Um, they did not get into the message of that Jesus was trying to teach them and research it like we talked about before. 
And then the other side of that division, we see uh, that they argued he performed miracles. So he must be from God. When they should have been doing the same thing, right? Um, that, got, that argument uh, needs to be substantiated by the message that he's teaching also, right? Uh, they only argued about the miracles and also neglected to look at the content of his teaching or address that in their, uh, in their argument. So they went to the man who was healed. Um, they asked him what he thought, which is, which is curious. What do, you, what do you say about this man? And I'm wondering if it was an tr- attempt to pressure him uh, to, to say that he wasn't the Christ, right? Under the threat of being kicked out of the temple. And we see that threat. Everyone knew about that threat that, uh, that we'll read about. That pressure on others to uh, not acknowledge Jesus as Christ. And he gave them a safe answer. Uh, in that he acknowledged Jesus being from God because of the miracle that occurred. Uh, but he didn't acknowledge that he was the Messiah, whether his faith was not to that point yet, obviously him denying it, it wasn't. Um, but, we, but we'll see that growth throughout this time. And that leads us to verse 18 through 34. But the Jews did not come, excuse me, the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? Then uh, how then does he see? His parents answered and said to them, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So again they called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, I now see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Uh, Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God... And does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that uh, anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, 
He could do nothing. They answered him and said, You were completely born in sins, and you and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. So we see that uh, the Jews were not convinced about the man's origins. Even though his neighbors had initially brought him to them, um, so they had the parents come into question. The parents confirmed that that was their son, so they didn't believe until the parents came that he was born blind. That was just the evidence the Jews were looking for, right? To convict them on the matter? No. We see, sadly, it wasn't. They called him back a second time. Uh, seemingly to discredit Jesus to him. They claim they have knowledge of him sinning, yet they still do not have a claim with any foundation. They, uh, you know, with how bad they, they grilled him after about what occurred again, uh, makes me wonder, did they... Did they do that to all the people that Jesus had performed miracles on? Uh, we don't see that in any other accounts. Uh, the, in, the intensity of this of this uh, question, this uh, session of questioning. Uh, they might have. Uh, we might we not we might not be told about it, but it seems that it's just them getting worked up into a frenzy, trying to get any little bit of information they could to disprove or discredit Jesus. The, we see the, the blind man, he, uh, the healed man, I should say, he showed his wisdom in his, um, in his response as though he's you know, an uneducated beggar, which obviously was very low in their society uh, stature. <clears throat> he had not seen Jesus sin, so could not claim if he was a sinner or not. And he wasn't going to get into an endless discussion about it either. He moved past that point pretty quickly. But he understood, he had the understanding that um, what happened to him was not possible without God. So that's why he claimed that the man was from God. He, uh, he indicated he must have been from God, yet... Uh, With him must having been from God, it was strange that they did not know where he was from or where he received his authority from, which would indicate that they did not have that relationship with the person who sent him, which was from God, right? So he was indicating that to them with his statement. Uh, they thought they had a good relationship with God, as long with everybody else. Uh, and he was um, shining a light upon the fact that that probably was not the case here. So pretty, that's a pretty uh, hurtful statement um, to someone's pride in that case. His, his rebuttal to them also had a few other aspects to consider and to look at. He mentioned that uh, God does not hear sinners, which wasn't argued by the Jews at all. In fact, they didn't argue with any of his rebuttal. But uh, that was one point that they could have argued against, but didn't. 
There's scripture that confirms that God uh, will not listen to the prayers of people that are rebelling against him, that have turned their face from him and continue to to, uh, detour from God. We see that in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 12 when it's uh, and it's referring to Psalm 35 verse 15 through 16. I'll turn over and uh, read that. There's a couple more but we'll read this one. And uh, I'll just mention the others. So it's in 1 Peter. And it's going to be chapter 3 verse 12. says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Other verses uh, that are mentioned, Psalms 66, verse 18, Psalms 145, verse 19, and Proverbs 15, verse 29. We see uh, in the Bible there's a difference between a sinner and the follower of God. Now, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans three twenty three. But some, but such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our of our God, First Corinthians six eleven. So even though we are still human, we make mistakes. We still are weak, and we still sin. We stumble. We fall. We're not defined by that anymore. We we don't forget where we came from either, right? So that we can still have that understanding and that empathy towards others that are still in that condition. But we live a new life. We have been washed, and we leave that old life behind us dead as we live that new life for God. We also see that the blind man, he had knowledge that it had not been documented that anyone born blind had been healed before, right? Which, again, the Jews didn't argue against. They didn't um, counter that. You can see the faith of the healed man continue to grow throughout this period, even throughout his arguments, throughout his justification um, for Jesus. And he's becoming more and more bold about what he knew was truth. So, the only thing that was left for the Pharisees to do was to insult him instead of use scripture or ration, uh, use ration, ration, reason, excuse me, reason, to rationalize with the man, that's what I was going for, um, to rationalize with him. By doing that, they inadvertently admitted because they, they, they agreed that he was born blind, and they used that to insult him. They admitted that he was born blind and that he was healed by Jesus. And that that act was not something normal, right? 
It's ever been documented before. <clears throat> so they did that when they were threatening to do the... So, and then they did. They carried out what they were threatening to do those who supported Jesus. They cast him out of the temple. Which, again, is no small thing to a Jew. Again, that was their religious, their social, their economic hub for the Jews. And, and a place where he had been begging for his whole lifetime. So that was his source of income. Hopefully, with that sight, he didn't have that need to beg anymore. But even then, good luck trying to get a job. Because you're not going to have that ability to interact with other Jews. And do... Uh, do uh, exchanges and things like that there. So, they cast him out. And that leads us to verse 35 through 41. Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Or your version might say the Son of Man. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who may, sorry, that who do not see, may see, and those who see may be blind, may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you wouldn't you would have no sin, but now you see, now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Jesus again sought out this man after hearing what happened to him hearing that this man stood for Jesus against very intimidating odds. Could you imagine um, going before a system of court with uh, threats to either just say something that you know is not a truth, uh, but yet not be persecuted by it, not be prosecuted? Um, especially with this man who has no influence, no power. He was the lowest of the society of the ladder of society at that time one of the one of the rings of the ladder but he stood for Jesus he stood for the truth and Jesus sought him out we see the term son of god or the son of man being used here as a reference as the messiah uh, which some other religious groups will argue about that that term whether what that whether that meaning is messianic, uh, we see that it is because when Jesus confirms that it is He, the man worships Him, which again is something that people don't do is worship each other, especially Jews. Uh, so the man worshipped Him, and. That we see that uh, Jesus accepts that worship. No one, no one else in Scripture, human or heavenly being, accepts worship other than the Father and His Son. If Jesus were just a prophet, He would have rejected that worship 
Just like Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14, verse 8 through 18, when they were said to have been gods, come down in the likeness of men. Or uh, Peter, when he met with Cornelius at his house, and Cornelius tried to worship him in Acts 10.25, and he picked him up and said, no, I'm just a man like you. He didn't stop him. Uh, Jesus did not stop him accepting, again, that worship, because he is God. The man's understanding of who Jesus was was complete. His faith was not partial. It was complete, right? The progress of that kind of reminds us of the Samaritan woman's process of understanding about who Jesus was in comparison So with the uh, conversation that he had with the blind man, it was overheard. Remember, Jesus always had people following him. Um, we see that some Jews or some Pharisees were nearby during that conversation. And Jesus used that to turn it into a lesson for those who are listening. We see that um, though Jesus came into the world... Remember, he said before that he came to the world to, not to judge, but to save. Yet, he will be there in the end, during judgment. Judging. So because he came to earth to save, the result of his coming will be judgment. We also see him talk about the light that he gives, that spiritual light that he gives to those seeking him. He gives them ability to see. While those that love the darkness, it blinds them, since that is where they desire to be. The Pharisees' response, they were surprised that they would even be in the same, there's a possibility they would even be in the same category as the common people, right? Again, we see that that thought that they are set apart uh, from the common people, the common believers, the Jewish people of the believers. <clears throat> they said, not we. You're not talking about us. Because of that mindset, Jesus says, told them that they were blind. They were blind to the true condition of their souls. And that their sins remained because they were not humbling themselves to God. They were not repentant of their sins. They didn't acknowledge them and turn from them, which is what we are called to do. At least with that thought, in chapter 9, uh, thank you uh, all for being here. Um, hopefully that was, uh, again, as usual, um, edifying to you and encouraging and hopefully you uh, will have the ability to search the scriptures retain that and use that for uh, educating others thank you